Welcome everybody, Noah Alvarez here with another episode of the Podfathers podcast. The date is January 25th and what a week of sports we just had. But before we talk about the sports, I want to give a shout out to the Pulse Podcast Network for having us on their website. You can check out our podcast on there, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Also, shout out to Generic Sports for the instrumental playing in the background. You can check out him and his work on soundcloud.com slash generic sports. But on to the sports. And well, first we must address the elephant in the room. Grow up, Saints fans. If you haven't heard the news, a large group of Saints fans and Saints season ticket holders decided to come together and actually sue the NFL. Some of the things they're suing for are emotional trauma and distrust in the game. Are you freaking kidding me? Houdat Nation, I, I thought you guys were better than this. While, uh, while one obvious pass interference penalty was not called late in the game, yes, I get that, the game was filled with missed calls that hurt both teams. Furthermore, the Saints still had an opportunity to win even after that penalty. So grow up, Saints fans. A loss is a loss, and you'll have to move on. Accept reality as it is. What's even worse is they decided to make a very cringeworthy music video that you can find on pretty much any social media. I must warn you before you watch, it's very cringeworthy. But yeah, you can consult a Raider fan on how to move on from a devastating play in the playoffs if you are still struggling, Saints fans. But I digress. Jacob hops back on the show and we talk championship weekend in the NFL, the 2019 MLB Hall of Fame class, and discuss the stalemate going on between Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, and all 30 MLB teams right now as both remain unsigned with a few weeks left until spring training starts. Again, Noah Alvarez here with the Podfathers Podcast. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. Well, 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 we are here at the final conclusion of the 2018 NFL season, only before, obviously, a very exciting NFC and AFC championship round. And Jacob, two very exciting games this past Sunday. We have the Super Bowl team matched up. But before I get into the Super Bowl and talk about you know our predictions and that kind of stuff, before we talk about Patriots and Rams, let's talk about how we got there. I mean, both those games are really exciting on Sunday. Yes, they absolutely were. But you know what? They were also somehow simultaneously frustrating as well because there were a lot of maybe made calls, missed calls for certain teams and certain matchups. And sometimes there was just questionable play calling from Mm -hmm. uh, the defensive side of Kansas City. I'm looking at you. Sorry. That was just sometimes not (laughs) double-teaming Gronkowski inside the 35. Like, come on now. Mm -hmm. But anyways, uh, both games were fantastic. I just, I definitely felt, I'm going to come out and say it, the most controversial opinion right now. Uh, I think the Saints got gypped. Yeah, and I don't think the I don't think the Rams beat the Saints. I think the referees and the penalties mm-hmm. beat, beat the, the Saints. Saints. Yeah, uh, yeah. You hate to bring it down to the referees, but in this instance, it's it feels like it did. And it's the, blatant. It was very blatant. I think both these games, looking at the bigger picture, both these games are very identical to each other because they both went to overtime. But also the kind of the momentum shift. I just felt like in the Chiefs Patriots game, they had quality good refs. And the refs made the calls that they needed to make, and that's why the Chiefs weren't able to come back. Unfortunately, in the Saints Rams scenario, the refs weren't very capable in that game. They weren't. You were letting them play an awful lot yeah. the whole game, and the Rams benefited from that, and they were able to make that comeback. And it hurt the team that had the lead in the beginning, where the Patriots were able to hang on to that lead versus the Chiefs. But yeah, sticking with the Rams Saints, I mean, 
like I said, I want to emphasize that a lot of people were talking about that one play, the missed pass interference call, but the whole game was awfully officiated. There was two missed face mask penalties on the Saints defenders on that could have benefited the Rams, and they could have got touchdowns instead of field goals. I think there was a few missed uh, offsides and delay of games that shouldn't have been called or should have been called for the New Orleans Saints. So it was just overall a poorly officiated game. And then, of course, on that third down play that everyone will remember in the fourth quarter, huge pass interference. Even if it wasn't a pass interference, you don't call that. You can call a targeting because he lowered his head right yeah, into his or head. Call, at least it, it was a sloppy game all around, For at least for the Rams. They had seven penalties for 64 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, so overall, I mean, was it was kind of crappy officiating. It was sloppy play from the Rams, and that's why it was a bunch of field goals. Mm-hmm. I mean... It was what we saw three three field goals, four extra points, mm-hmm. two okay. extra points. Four no, sorry, four field goals, two extra points. But it, it was a sloppy game. I, I get it. I get that. The Rams had a really sloppy start. I thought the Saints let their foot off the gas pedal. They they went into halftime with a thirteen to three lead, and they really seemed in control. You know, for the first half, the Rams weren't really able to do much. Goff did that interception, and we've seen in the past when he throws an interception, he kind of gets off his funk. But the Saints really never took advantage of that. They couldn't run the ball well. They really couldn't protect Breeze well, and it just seemed like the Saints didn't have the best game plan, and they didn't execute their game plan really well either. They also made a, a few like poor play-calling decisions. I know Sean Payne's the risky guy, but running a pass play on that first down and the first back to that same drive where the third down there was a no call on the pass interference, but on first down, less than a minute left, you want to run the clock out will make the Rams use their timeouts, but they decided to pass on the first down play. So a little bit questionable decision play calling from both sides I think and you know ultimately I I think both teams didn't play the potential and it was kind of like that slugfest where you know both teams weren't if you look at the final stats neither team had really good games but the Saints were able to you know outdog the Saints and of course they had the help of the officiating crew but it was kind of an ugly game the Saints were just able to win that dogfight the Rams Rams were able to win the Rams were able to win that dogfight Uh, I agree with you. I think Saint uh, New Orleans they totally underutilized Kamara mm-hmm. and Ingram both. Or if if that matter, uh, Kamara who's probably a better player than Ingram. Mm-hmm. You know they, how many times were they first and goal, second and goal, third and goal, and it was still out of the shotgun or shotgun formation, mm-hmm. and Kamara wasn't utilized. Like he, they didn't hand it off. Like why wouldn't you hand it off? Didn't yeah, you? they were going third, throwing to a second yeah, string tight end. And everybody knew like Drew Brees is going to pass. Mm-hmm. You know because that's what they did. They didn't run the ball for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And the Rams had had. A proven weakness with mm-hmm. that, but they had shorted it up. You know they've acquired some great players in Dominican Sue, Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. that are tearing it up. But um, you know you got to try and work some other than just being one dimensional. And the Saints just became one dimensional, and, and then it became gimmicky when they went for it on fourth. Mm-hmm. You know they they did a fake punt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, in my opinion, you know I think that shows desperation in the team. Yeah, that, but so, you know what the the Rams have always been good at that. They're really good special teams. Yes. They're really well coached on the special teams. teams. Is a part of the game. It, it is a part of the game, and I think that fake punt, going back to it, I mean, that really put them back in the game because it was 13-0 at that point. Oh, yes. And they drove yes. down, got a field goal. It was only a field goal, but you could see that the Rams had life because up to that point, they really had nothing going offensively. They were going to punt the ball away. Who knows? The Saints would have probably drove down and scored again. Yeah. But I, it seemed like it took a little air out of the crowd, and I don't know. You just felt like the Rams finally get some confidence after that. Well, yeah, it was like there's finally some fight. You know, like, hey, it was a ballsy play, man, because Mm -hmm. if that play doesn't work, 
you're in trouble because you give the Saints back. You give the Saints the ball back near midfield, yeah. and the Drew Brees is probably going to march down and score again because they had done so the first two right. drives. You showed no resistance on mm. your secondary. He's literally picking you apart. Like people love to talk about Tom Brady and his ability to dissect defenses. Well, Drew Brees is right there. You know, mm-hmm. hide or not. His, he's right there, and he dissects defenses just as much as Brady does. Mm-hmm. And the Rams had trouble uh, covering him out there in the secondary. Aaron Donald and Dama Kinsu, they did their job, and they got in his face, and they pressured him, so he was always a little uncomfortable in the pocket. Yeah. But even so, the secondary couldn't they, they couldn't cover those wide receivers. They just they just were inadequate for the job. I'm sorry. Marcus Peters got burned a tons of times. Yeah. It was really that pass rush, though. You, like you said, yes. you, you mentioned it. They become one-dimensional. And for Drew Brees at this stage of his career, I think he needs that run game, especially when you have the talented weapons like Kamara and Ingram. The Saints have been their best when they've been able to get the run game going. Yes. It just seems like the simple formula for any winning football team. You need to get the run going, play action works. And you're right, the defensive backs struggled a little bit against the receivers, but it was really that pass rush, that pass rush getting in, in Brees' face. You saw it on the interception he threw in overtime. He had a hand right in his face. Yeah. It looked like the ball got tipped, but it just turned out he threw it kind of like a duck just because the pressure was yeah, about to get to him. He doesn't want to take that hit, man, of course. especially at his age now. And he, yeah. he's been getting hit a few times. He got hit a yeah. few times by Sue and Donald. I mean, there was that nice shot that Fox did where yeah. you know he's throwing off of one leg, jumping off. they came in, they pushed him still. Sue yeah, pushed yeah, him, yeah, yeah. or I think it was Donald. Donald uh, Aaron Donald pushed him, and he he flew like another because you know, Drew Brees is a small yeah. guy, but... You know, I'm pretty sure he was kind of getting happy feet back there after yeah. getting hit four or five times yeah. by that Rams D-line. So props to them. Like we mentioned in the offseason, they spent so much money and so much time trading, acquiring these players, <laughs> and it worked. It finally got them to the Super Bowl. Let's switch over to the other game, the Chiefs-Patriots, because obviously that was another big, important game. That game also went to overtime. And kind of like the Saints did, the Patriots jumped out to an early lead, 14-0. to They had a really good game plan where they just – Chewed up a bunch of clock and ran the ball. Oh, I you, mean, you want to know the Patriots game plan? Yeah. I'll tell it to you in stat, stats right now. Patrick Mahomes, four sacks. Tom Brady, zero for zero. Yeah. No sacks. That's the game plan. Don't Protect. let Tom Brady yeah. get sacked. And he throws for 348 yards. But where does that start? With a good run game. I think, they, think so? they, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady knew going into this game yeah, that, Michelle, the, yeah. that, the, uh, that the Chiefs were going to play nickel defense. And they talked about it on the broadcast. Tony Romo at least did. And... First of yeah. all, what a phenomenal job yes. he did broadcasting that game. But he was right. I mean, it was all right. The fact that the the Patriots ran the ball so much with Michelle and they had good success, and so that now the pass rush really couldn't get to Brady because the play action was working and the DBs were struggling out there. And they were, the, the whole thing in the first half, what I wanted to give props to the Patriots is that they, they kept the ball away. The key to stopping a high-powered offense when you don't have a really good defense is just to milk the clock, you know? Play like the game, like it's you're trying to steal the game. And they went on two eight-minute drives to go up 14-0 to in the first half. So I think that's huge that the Patriots were able to do that, mainly by running the ball. And Yeah, that was pretty actually, – that was actually really beautiful to watch Sonny Michel. Sonny Michel, right? And, and Rex Burkhead. Dude, they, those guys inside those goal lines, dude, that was nasty, man. Yeah. Just, they lowered – all they did was lower their head down and bam, man. The offensive right line it. was fantastic. Right. Too. Oh, my God. I mean, it's I'm kind sorry, of Kansas to, City got outplayed, man. Yeah, Mahomes they, willed that, willed yeah. all those points. In the second half, it was all Mahomes, I thought. It, it was a lot of – definitely a lot of defensive adjustments to a certain extent before the Patriots were able to figure it out. But definitely Patrick Mahomes just kind of took over, and that was yeah. that was really something to watch because we've talked yeah. about it on the show, and I've talked about it with other hosts and stuff like that. Patrick Mahomes is the next-generation guy. You know what I mean? We had Brady and Breeze and, and Peyton Manning growing up. Patrick Mahomes is going to be this next-generation of kids guy, yeah. and, and there will be some other quarterbacks thrown in there too, but Patrick Mahomes, watching him, 
go against a team like the Patriots and kind of, like you said, will, with no running game, a kind of piss-poor offensive line. Yeah. He he really was able to will the Chiefs back into the game, and they were competitive in the second half because of it. I mean, that first drive in the second half, to get it 14-7, to that was really pissed to drive by Mahomes with little, I don't want to say it was a little help around him, but... The big stars didn't play. Tyreek Hill was pretty much blanketed. They did it. Pages did a really nice job of. Yeah, he only blanketing. had one reception, forty-two yeah. yards. Yeah, they really limited to that one big play. Yeah, Sammy Watkins broke out too, four receptions, one hundred and fourteen yards. But alongside, you know who I think the real MVP of this game is? I mean, it's already it was Brady, oh. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was Brady. But I think I feel like the MVP really was uh, Edelman, dude. How many high, yeah, high percentage catches did he make on third and like seventeens, third and fifteens? That's why the Chiefs lost this game. Yeah. They couldn't stop Brady on third and seventeen. Mm-hmm. You've got third a and big 10, problem. Third like, and eleven. You had him in favorable defensive downs. Mm-hmm. And you failed to stop him, or at least at the very much put him up short mm-hmm. and make him punt or something, or field goal. They lost every single time. So the Chiefs didn't lose because of dumb overtime rules, as I've seen on Twitter by some analysts. Yeah. The Chiefs oh, lost because they couldn't stop the Patriots the on Chiefs key third The Chiefs defense is really downs. bad. There's a reason they rank yes. 34, 31st in the NFL yes. this entire regular season. Exactly. Man. They, their, their bad defense really showed. Bob Sutton got fired two days ago. Um, so, you know, hopefully the Chiefs can figure that out. Because uh, Patrick Mahomes is such a talent, it'd be a shame if he he was held back from his defense his whole career. Because, but that you're right. I mean, the, the uh, Patriots couldn't be stopped either aspect: running the ball, passing the ball, dumping it off to Edelman, yeah. dumping it off to running backs. It just seemed like it was a routing. But the Patriots did have their few mess ups. I mean, Tom Brady threw two interceptions. How often do we see that? You know. So I think the Chiefs had their opportunity, but ultimately the Patriots' offense could not be stopped. The freaking Chiefs, man. What you going to do? They, they've never been there before. That, that was the first time to the AFC uh, championship in what? How many years? Yeah, like 60, a long time. Years. Like they did, that's only like the, the second first time, time they hosted, too, in yeah. their history. Yeah, Arrowhead so Stadium, like they, so. they, I'm sorry. I, I just don't think they could have handled the big stage. Yeah. Sometimes the lights get too bright. Yeah, but, true. They're a young team, so hopefully next year they can have that you know, confidence and experience now when you're going in. But you know whose lights don't get too bright? Whose? Mariano Rivera's. Hey. Baseball Hall of Fame. The class of 2019 was just announced mm-hmm. as yesterday. of yesterday. And, man, I got to say, I absolutely love this class. I think it's a lot better than last year's class. But then again, I'm a pitcher guy. I like pitchers. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty pitcher heavy, you know, with the greatest relief pitcher of all time in Mariano mm-hmm. Rivera. Mike Messina, who had a quiet but productive, steady, you know, consistent career. career. It was uh, Roy, Roy, Roy Holiday, which the Doc, yeah, rest doc. in peace. But one of the one of the best. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna be. So, I think I'm gonna cry when his wife takes that and she makes a speech, or whoever's gonna make the speech for his commencement. Mm-hmm. Um, did you hear though that he's not gonna wear a cap? He's gonna be neutral in the Hall of Fame. Really, Roy yeah. Holiday? Yeah. Well, he, he did. Sp- I think he spent even, and he won a championship with the Phillies. So. Yes. That makes sense for him to go that route with he it. Threw but. the no no in the NLDS. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. Second, the only the, 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 the only the second, second no postseason hitter. Yeah. no hitter in yeah, MLB history. That's pretty. And impressive. then Don Larson has the only perfect game, right? Mm-hmm. World Series. And then Edgar Martinez. Oh yeah, well, Edgar Martinez. Really Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted to round off the Hall of Fame class. It was it was a solid class, like you said, much yes. better than last year. We were talking about it a little bit before the show, though. It was kind of surprising that Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous. unanimous Decision player. of all time, like that was the first time that's ever happened in MLB voters, and I just, I, I was talking to you. I was like, "What took MLB voters so long?" I mean, you threw out some names like Johnny Bench and guys to do it, Willie Mays and a Ted lot of Williams, other, yeah, Tim man. Williams and Ted Williams, excuse me, not Tim, Ted Williams and, and so many other guys. 
in MLB history that they weren't voted first ballot or first they weren't voted first ballot unanimous and so that's really impressive for Mariano Rivera and I think that'll probably never be done again until Mike Trout I, I I like that take, but Mariano deserved that first off. Yes. First and foremost, I know I already know some fans that are kind of upset about that. But I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, the voters, the voters made their decision mm-hmm. right, rightfully so, on the most dominant relief pitcher. When you're a relief pitcher, your margin for error is this big. Yeah. And he he messed up twice out of six, five times In of the World winning. Series, though. Yeah. yeah. So. The man just dominated. There's more men that have walked on the moon mm-hmm. than have scored on him in postseason play. Yeah. Twelve men have walked on the moon. Only eleven have scored. Yeah, pretty so ridiculous stat. Yeah, I mean, enter the Sandman. Yes, you know, and it's he had a sub two point ERA as well. Like for like half, more than like majority, more than half of his seasons. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the dude deserves the first unanimous decision. Yeah, well deserved. I think there's a lot of conversation. Like I said, though, just, it, it took a while for the MLB to do it, and it's a little surprising, but well deserved by Mariano. He he really deserved that. For a generation, our generation, watching baseball, most de- most definitely the most dominant closer. Now, speaking of Mike Trout, because I think he'll be the next unanimous decision, uh, free, he'll be a free agent next year. And speaking of free agents, it doesn't look like it's a very good market for Mike Trout. <laughs> he might want to stay in Los Angeles or in Anaheim with the Angels because still Bryce Harper and Manny Machado have not been signed yet in this 2019 free agency class, which seems like everyone was saving their cap space for last year. And there's a reason that J.D. Martinez went unsigned, and or it took a while for him to get signed. And still, spring training starts in three weeks, or less than three weeks, when pitchers and catchers report. And both Bryce Harper and Manny Machado haven't been signed. What do you make of that? I think teams are afraid to pay them that money. That's a lot of money, and these Mm -hmm. guys haven't necessarily been producing as well as they were in their primes or maybe even a few years ago, especially with Machado's poor World Series showing. I think a lot of competitive teams took a look at that and said... Poor playoff showing in general. And I think a lot of people, a lot of the owners are taking a look at that and going, well, if we're competitive and he's not going to perform, you know, in that big stage when it matters, why am I going to pay him that much money, you know, because that's a lot of cap space being taken up. And then with Harper, Harper is, we've even seen him kind of... He's taken a dip as far as the last yes, two years. Yes, he has. And he's also taken a dip uh, from baseball in terms of his likeness. Mm-hmm. You know, he tried to be the villain of baseball and it True. hasn't worked. And now it's just, he's kind of just that stubborn man about mm-hmm. whatever. Like we He don't wants even know. to be the vision, villain, yeah. but it's not like, you know, that part yes. has to kind of grow yeah. into. Excuse my language, but he's just being a dick. Yeah. Like for no reason. And it's just like, damn, dude. He's douchey. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, what's up with you? You're talking about make baseball fun? Like you're not part of the fun equation right mm-hmm. now. Like Mookie Betts is mm-hmm. and JD Martinez. Jose Altuve. Yeah, exactly. Correa. You know, the guys that are doing commercials and that are out there. Mm-hmm. Though, the, getting off power, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's a little surprising. I mean, just news broke as we're about to record that AJ Pog went, you signed to the Dodgers and Yes, I'm a little upset about that, but I think that means the Dodgers are out on Bryce Hyper. I think when they moved, made that move to trade Puig, to trade Matt Kemp and Alex Wood to the Reds, I thought they were doing that to basically land Bryce Harper. I think Bryce Harper wants a lot more money than what you know is being reported, and especially the offers that he's getting. I think that the Nationals reported that they offered an eight million, three hundred million, eight year, three hundred million dollar contract, and you know he he hasn't a client accepted that, so he might want more than that. And it just, he's not getting that kind of stuff. I know the Dodgers weren't really willing to pay him the eight-year deal. They wanted him on a four- or a five-year deal. So them selling for Pollock, I think that puts him out of the Harper race. And I think 
you know, it's going to be – it's really interesting to see it because I think Machado will get signed because it's harder to find a really good shortstop in the MLB. I think there's a lot of teams that are hurting, whether it's the White Sox or the Phillies. But those teams have the cap space to do it, I think. And he can also play third base for either team. But I think, you know, Pia is a shortstop. And then Bryce Harper, there's a lot There's a lot more outfielders there in the MLB than there is shortstops. There isn't the rare talent or the, the rare dual threat talent that you get Machado at the shortstop position. So I think Harper has it a little bit harder for himself. He may have to settle. I think he may have to settle for a two, three-year deal unless he's willing to go back to the Nationals. Do you think he goes back to the Nationals? Because I, per, I myself, don't think he's going to go back. I think he's already mm-hmm. severed and cut ties, and mm-hmm. I think he kind of burnt that bridge, which I think was silly. Well, his agent came out and said, I think right before, you know, right after the season, that he was not coming back to the Nationals. So it'd be, I think, if the, he did come back to the Nationals, it'd be on a much smaller deal in the Nationals, and there'd just be a little bit awkwardness, you know. Yes. I, like you said, he kind of cut that bridge, but if he were to come back out of desperation, I don't think they'd the take him. Un- of course, of course, but I think I think the fans would be a little salty about it. I'm sure the organization, the manager at the at the team too, will be a little bit salty about it. So it just would rub people the wrong way for Bryce Harper to I, go back to the Nationals. I agree, I agree. And uh, before we end off with these free agents and quarter, and with the Dodgers acquisition of AJ Pollock. As a Dodger fan, I just want to say, I think I'm a little frustrated, which is how the front office has been. Mm. You know, it seems like the Corey Kluber deal fell apart. Who knows Who knows what they were asking for? They never, right. the details never really came out. Of course, they never there, do. Yeah. And there was talks that it could have been top prospects. They wanted, um, uh, like, Puig and uh, Bellinger. And Verdugo, I yeah, think, Yeah, right? Verdugo. Like, they wanted some high-name players, but at the same time, I was thinking, look what we were getting back in return. A mm-hmm. grizzled vet that could probably get us through that World Series hump, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Because Kershaw's not cutting it. Kershaw's not the number one dominant guy now. No, he's the he's, number two. He has to be number two. And he's, on his worst in, day, he's a third. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, the Dodgers, I think, I think the front office kind of... Uh, Dropped the ball. Underestimated how, how well Kershaw's going to do. Better because I think this might be his, again, his last season. You know, he penned, right, for another year? Or what was it? Yeah, another year, right? Well, just he, has, he just resigned for a year and he has options yeah, for, next for year, too. Yeah, I think this might be his last year. Really? I think we're getting close to it, you know, and especially the more, the closer the Dodgers get and the more he loses it. It's just like mm-hmm. every year just kills him a little more. I'm sure it does in that back, you know? Like, yeah. Exactly. Eventually he's going to start looking out for his back, too, because he had exactly. a few back injuries. So. Uh, in conclusion, yeah, Trevor Bauer or Corey Kluber would have been a nice acquisition, but I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they were.